Hi, I'm Jeff Cooper, and this is the All Night Show. We're talking with Terry Taylor of Daniel Amos, and we'll be playing some of his music tonight and asking him a few questions about his life and his involvement with the ministry of Daniel Amos. Okay, Terry, how did you come to pick a name Daniel Amos? Is it any significance at all? I think uh, just really significant in, in the fact that it's... Uh, two Old Testament prophets. As far as uh, why we chose those two names uh, to uh, name our group is anybody's guess. <laughs> we, uh, we went through a period of really having a hard time with, uh, with uh, names and mm-hmm. we thought of all kinds of names. We went through a lot of them. And we just really felt that we, we wanted to just rest in uh, uh, in choosing a name and not strive with it. And we'd see, you know, sit around for hours and say, what about this, what about that? Mm-hmm. So it was just, uh, it was just really a random sort of thing. We, uh, I was looking through the Old Testament and I said, uh, let's call ourselves Daniel. No, let's call ourselves Amos. Well, no, let's call ourselves Daniel Amos. Mm-hmm. And we thought that was kind of unique and that it sounded like one person, which uh, may, be a, may have been a mistake. Yeah. You know, we constantly have people saying, Who's Daniel Amos? Right. Are you Daniel Amos? Yeah. Well, nice meeting you, Daniel. But, hmm. um, no, it's, it was just a, kind of a random thing. But I think, I think God had it picked out for us. Could you give us a little background on your own start in music and maybe bring in the involvement with Daniel Amos and forming, the forming of the group? Yeah. Well, I, mine is kind of a standard story. I was involved uh, in uh, fairly early in school with uh, music and, you know, just interested in, in singing and playing guitar. And I, in and out of a lot of those folk groups and trios and eventually some rock groups and some country groups and up in through high school, the standard garage band local group type thing. I, uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, to get a writer's contract in Nashville to to write country music when I began my interest in country rock music, and it was soon after that that I made a full commitment to the Lord and, and uh, got out of that particular contract and, and started started getting involved with Christian music itself. And again, going through the it almost starting the whole cycle over again. I went through a little trio type of thing, and uh, which evolved in. Eventually, in San Jose, California, uh, I met uh, Steve Baxter through the San Jose Hotline that we were both working here, and we got the we we put some songs together and got a little group together and started playing. And uh, we went through a lot of frustration initially because uh, that particular area in California was very uh, denominational, and uh, it was very hard for an outside group even a musical group to, to come into a church and be able to have places that they could minister and play. So we uh, we prayed about moving to Southern California where there was, uh, from what had been a Jesus movement, there was Calvary Chapel, uh, and from that came Maranatha music. And culturally, the area was more open to Christian rock music. Uh, we had a country sound at the time, very country, and uh, three of us moved to that Southern California began to fellowship at Calvary Chapel through the uh, Musicians Fellowship at Calvary Chapel. Uh, we met Jerry, our lead player, and eventually Marty on bass now. And then uh, on down the line, uh, we we were with four people for a while. Recorded our first album 
with four of us. Uh, we didn't have a drummer, so we used a studio drummer. We didn't have a keyboard player, and we used a keyboard uh, player for inside the studio. Well, after we got out of the studio, we wanted that sound that we could we could do live. So we uh, we uh, added Ed on drums, and eventually Mark on keyboards. And then uh, about two months ago, we added uh, Alex on percussion. So now the group is at six performing members and one sound engineer. And we have to plan to add more to that family as far as uh, uh, people on the road that will help us with equipment and that sort of thing. So it's kind of a growing. Yeah. Alex was with the Randy Stonehill band, I believe. Yeah, he's been with quite a few. I recognized him. Yeah, he was originally with The Way. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, then kind of freelance for a long time. Was with Richie Foray for a while. And uh, and then uh, he'd been playing off and on with us locally for, for the whole time we've been together. And with, was with Randy and began to really pray about coming into the group with us. And uh, the Lord confirmed that. So that's what's happening. And Terry, how did you come to know the Lord in your own life? Um, I went uh, through, yeah, out of high school, I... Uh, Really, really wanted to find uh, what life was all about—truth. You know, this kind of a, the almost stereotype thing that you hear. You know, I was looking for truth and life and love and joy and all that. Mm-hmm. But I really was. I, I uh, had um, lost a lot of friends to drugs in high school, and uh, you know, in other words our relationships had become very impersonal because uh, the drug scene was so heavy at the time. When I was in 68, 67, 68, at that time, Vietnam War, and the whole thing was just such a heavy turmoil. And, and a lot of my friends got caught up in the whole drug culture. I dabbled, but I was not uh, totally involved in that. And I really wanted to find something that would give me, uh, I guess, reason really to, to live and, and to to exist and I'd always from a very small age always wondered well what what was life all about what was death all about and uh, so I really got interested in religion and I want and I felt that some sort of religious uh, endeavor would would be would be uh, something that would perhaps satisfy uh, my longing for a meaningful life and um, I had had some Christian upbringing. I think more, I would rather say more of a churchianity type of uh, exposure to Christianity. In other words, grandparents that went to, to church but didn't really live that life. And a mom and dad that had, had Christian upbringings and my mom went to church. But I didn't really see that, you know, um, reflected in their lives in a very very powerful way that would influence me at all. I heard about Christ. I didn't reject it. I didn't say, no, that's not true. I had uh, a fairly moral uh, upbringing and, and had pretty fairly moralistic uh, outlook. And I, but I just, I would go to church from time to time, but again, it was very alien. It was like a thing that I didn't see how it applied to my life. And um, so 
I was involved in Scientology for one year, and uh, Scientology being a, a pseudo-religious organization that uh, charges a certain amount of money to find out what the truth is. And I was involved in that for a while. Uh, and I got very, at first I was very enthusiastic. This is it. This is what I'm looking for. I felt good. I went to the classes. I was just on fire for Scientology. I was a witness for Scientology. And uh, eventually that uh, that uh, enthusiasm went down the tubes because uh, I saw it as a kind of a hypocritical type of organization. You know, pay to know the truth. And the rich people, rich people in the world would be the first ones to find out what the truth is all about. And, uh, and right at the time of, of my uh, uh, dissatisfaction with Scientology and plunge back into just an all-time low, oh, you know, what am I going to do now? Parental pressure, what are you going to do with your life? Right? The whole trip. I did, you know, I went to school, I went to uh, junior college. I, what am I doing here? I don't even know what I'm doing. And uh, it was just a very low time in my life. And at that time, uh, the Lord sent a fellow, my, one of my friends in high school, that had gotten into drugs, meditation, the whole trip. And he was a Christian. Mm-hmm. And it was just, uh, you know, I wouldn't say that, I, I couldn't say truthfully that, that uh, it was just this, you know, I was longing for anything because I'd been longing for anything for a long time, and and but certain things I would try, and they just I would still have that same longing. You know? And so this person shared Christ, and a personal Christ, someone that I could know and that loved me, and had always loved me, and it became very personal for the first time. It wasn't some, you know, it wasn't you know stained glass windows anymore. It wasn't judgment and sin, although that was part of it, but it was just something good. It was sounding really good. As Scientology had, you know, we can put it in that perspective. Scientology sounded good, too. The difference was that a week later when I asked Christ in my life, I I had never felt as free as I did that moment. And the difference being is it's been nine I think more close to ten years, and I can truthfully say that uh, that Jesus is all He says He is, and that's how my life was changed. And uh, and uh, I discovered through that conversion that that's who I was looking for. You know, I was looking for Christ in Scientology, and I was looking for Christ here and there and here and there. But it wasn't until uh, I found uh, that I opened the door of my heart, Christ came in, that I. I really, that I really understood uh, his love and his grace and his mercy and his life. How do we get, okay, we'll get back to music now. How do we reach the audience? We want, it's great to entertain uh, Christians. You know, the majority here tonight were probably Christians. And, no doubt about it. And, you know, no doubt. We enjoy the music. We love it and the message and we get a lot out of it. But I'm sure you as well as people like Larry Norman and that always trying to find out how to reach the non-Christians, the people the music is obviously geared to, uh, people that like rock and roll, like rock 
country rock. Um, what what is your band doing to to try and uh, reach this this crowd? Well, there's always uh, that is a is a major problem in the area of Christian music because uh, there there's so much involved. Um, Christian radio is is, is often uh, a, a sensitive nerves because it's a lot of evangelistic messages that are just being directed to people that aren't going to listen to Christian yeah. Christian uh, uh, radio station, and so you wind up having Christians listen to evangelistic messages. They're already saved; they don't need an evangelistic message. You have Christian albums that are going into Christian homes that have evangelistic messages supposed to be going out to. To evangelize Christian music stores, yeah. Bible stores. I think basically, uh, a lot of times, what it does is, is a Christian artist, musician, is torn between two things. We just, had, I just had a guy that was t- that just talked to me in the hallway that is very, uh, probably anti, I would say, anti-Christian rock music because it seems to him too much like the world. So you have uh, a a real struggle there because on one end you're trying to please the Christians and on the other you're trying to reach those that don't know the Lord and in music uh, it's hard to do both it really is hard to do both uh, in a, what the, the, the greatest reward that we have is to, to go to a place such as a high school and a college where they're not hung up by whether we have fun on stage or joke around or say things that sound like we're not worshiping God. Uh, they're there to listen to music. They're there to, to see a group. And they're there to hear good music. They want to hear good music. Uh, when Time and time again, we've been placed in a situation where we're strictly there to, to not as a Christian group, not present as a Christian group. Uh, great examples, we played in Maui. And we played uh, in a place in, in Hawaii we played in a place uh, called the Blue Max. What had happened was that was the manager there, who was not a Christian, heard our album and was told that we were going to be in Hawaii. And he said, I'd love to have those guys come and play here in, in my club. So we went and we he didn't get up and say, now here, bring on the Christian brothers, praise God. Here they are to do their Christian songs for you. Now bear with, with them because... They do say, sing songs about Jesus. But you'll like the music. He didn't say anything like that. We were just the band that night. And it was fantastic because we were there for, for what I believe God has called us to. We were there to talk to people that were in a bar. We were there or, or eating their dinner or whatever. We were there to play them the music that God had given us uh, to, to give to those people. Proclaiming His Son and proclaiming the good news. We didn't have to get hung up about whether there was going to be a Christian in the crowd that thought we were being weird for playing in a bar. Uh, we weren't there, you know, with the Pharisees sitting over the corner pointing at us, going, why are you eating at a table with sinners? As Jesus was accused of doing. Uh, we were just there to share what God had given us. And it was fruitful. It was neat. And uh, as a result of that, that many came to the Lord. Um, I want to see more and more of that. And... The problem is is that it's just a matter of a group breaking through that uh, uh, that constantly playing in a church kind of thing. 
It's nice to play in a church, but that isn't really where we want to be playing. We want to be playing on the street. We want to be playing at a college. We want to be playing at, a, at concerts where, uh, where we realize the value of, of presenting good music. And, and that's what uh, that's something that's scared Christians for years too. Oh, it's getting too worldly. If it's good, it's too worldly. That's right. So, so, uh, so, if you look at it in, in that God has entrusted you with a talent, and you're not going to bury that talent. You're going to perfect it. God is a master creator, and God has given you this music, and I'm going to polish it and shine it up and give God the glory for it every time. And I think that's being a good stir with what God has given you. If, if you think it's spiritual, to do bad music for God, then you've got to re-examine your ministry and what it's all about. I, my prayer, and I don't think we're there yet, is I, I just pray for more doors that will open, that will get us out in a wider exposure. We're praying right now about a, a record deal, mm-hmm. which may go through Warner Curve, which would utilize WIA, uh, which is the largest distribution company in the world. They distribute Warner Brothers and on down the line. And... Uh, it looks fairly good right now. That happens. That means that we won't have our albums in the religious section of the, you know, Christian bookstore or the secular bookstore, uh, our record store. But we'll have uh, we'll have uh, our album right among the rest of them, and possibly airplay, possibly. But but just to get it out, just to get that, and and, and I think more and more Christians are, are really getting behind that. That we have a job to do, and we can sit around, you know. Oh, isn't this a fantastic, you know, Christian song? And isn't that a neat message? On it? But if it's not in the hands of people that it's intended for, then it's it's really a, a useless thing. So it's it, it's just a matter of education and uh, doors opening and God's own time. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about some of your songs now briefly. Uh, okay, I don't know how involved you've been with writing of the songs you do, but I'm sure you know quite a bit about them, so um, Days and Nights, did you write that one? Yes, I did. Yeah. And, well, actually, I wrote it with Jerry, Yeah. and that was written on a, uh, a paper sack in the back of a motorhome <laughs> going down the road. And uh, it was um, just a time in my own life, uh, we're, we're gone a lot. At one time, we averaged six months out of the year, which is a long time to be gone. I'm married. And uh, those are tough, rough times to be away from home, away from your wife. It's not possible at this point to be able to bring wives with us every time we go out. It's a rough uh, three to four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, just on us alone. To take wives and children, in some instances, would be very hard to do. We hope eventually we'll be able to do that. Uh, but right now it's not possible. And uh, so what we praise the Lord about is, is uh, three of us are married, and uh, all three of those wives are dedicated in their support, in their prayer, in their encouragement to this ministry. If that wasn't so, then I don't think I would be able to go out on the road if I knew my wife wasn't 100% behind what I was doing. This song was just a love song to them. And uh, uh, just about being out on the road and really about first love because uh, I love my wife, but I, I, the, the love I have for the Lord is, is that much greater. And 
our dependence upon Him in, in uh, you know, you, because those times of loneliness do sit in, those times of, oh, I wish I, I wish I could see my wife, I wish I was home, uh, creep in so much and they can just nag at you. And unless God is sustaining you, and unless God is your first love, and a recognition that He has called you, and He's put, put you there, He's put you in that van that's going down the road, you know, and you know, it's three o'clock in the morning and you're, you know, big bags in your eyes. The Lord is still there and He's still ministering and He's still refreshing and He manages to, to, to refresh us and keep us going. And so it, it just talks about for two loves. Love the, that, that that affection, that natural love that we have for the wives and children, family love, and that love that we have for God. Okay, praise song. I don't have to ask what it's about, but uh, just tell us a little bit about how. Yeah, that uh, you know, I I think that just simply put this way, uh, a lot of times it's just. Uh, we're asking God for this, we're asking God for that, our prayers are spent so much. In. And we should always uh, uh, lay before the Lord our needs. He tells us to do that. And, and to come boldly into His throne, and, 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 and we have access to that throne in time of need, and we need His help. There are just those times where uh, to worship God, just to go to God and worship and praise and, and adoration. Not really needing anything because God is all that we need. You know? And it's just a simple song of expression of, of praise to the Lord. And, and I think uh, uh, a lot of times, even our songs are so much directed to the person or uh, you know evangelizing and that sort of thing. And this was just a song that was just directed to the Lord, just to worship and lift Him. And another one probably along the same lines is Father's Arms. Pretty well known. Yeah. Uh, it's really, uh, really a song about myself, I think. Because I remember, you know, uh, like I was sharing about Scientology and the whole thing, and being around people that would, uh, uh, you know, say, uh, hey, you're a good guy, you know, everything's cool, do your own thing, and that sort of thing. And you'd go, yeah, yeah, you know, and you'd truck along, and you'd be around people, and you'd be having good times, and everything'd be fine, but then there were the times where you're by yourself. And that's kind of the line in there about, uh, everything's cool until the darkness comes whispering down the halls, and you're scared of the child who dreams he falls. Uh, just deep inside that, that, uh, that sort of, uh, fear and dread of the unknown, and I think, uh, Death enters in there, those questions, and and uh, and it's just saying, hey, you don't have to be in that place of fear and unknown. You got to let go of the fear, let go of the unknown, and just fall and let it, and, and, and fall into someone who's ready to catch you, ready to love you. That's your that's your father, Father God. Let him have have his way with you, and uh, you can experience a warmth of his love and a rest, a rest from. Uh, from your labor and your weariness and your fear. Okay, the title cut from your uh, last album, Shotgun Angel, it's quite a song, and I'm sure some people maybe wonder, uh, the title maybe sound a little bit uh, funny at first, but yeah. uh, I agree with the message, and anybody who listened to it 
sure to get the message from it, but maybe you just tell us a little bit about it. Well, that was the one song that we didn't write, uh, but we wanted to do the song off like that because, first of all, we just thought it was a really good song and uh, had a good message to it. It's written by Bill Sprouse, who has gone to be with the Lord, and a uh, beautiful brother, and radiated just the love of God. And it has so many anointed songs. I wish we could do them all. That one was very special to us. And uh, we chose it deliberately as a title to our album because it does have that strange connotation to it. What a shotgun angel, you know. It's kind of attractive in that sense. But it's very simply explained when you listen to the song. Uh, to ride shotgun in the truck, you know, is to ride next to you, next to the driver, next to the window. And uh, it just means that we have a guardian angel that's with us. And... Uh, uh, that's protecting us. This band, Daniel Amos, has seen that happen quite a few times when we've seen angels. We know angels have been around protecting us. Uh, like having a trailer come off with all your equipment on it going down the road at you know, 15, 16 miles an hour. And see it gently glide into a little you know, grassy knoll and spin around and have nothing happen to it. Or to go uh, uh, a couple hundred miles uh, down a mountain and get to the bottom of it and pull into the hotel room and, and have your, your trailer just kind of come up off the jack a little bit. You know that it was loose enough that if you'd gone any further, it would have. So just those little those little coincidences that uh, that uh, God shows you that his hand is definitely upon you. And those are the angels, in a sense, are riding shotgun. And that's really what the tune is about. It's a salvation song also, yeah. but it's directed to truck drivers. Okay, uh... Maybe a, a complex on the other side of the albums are a complex. I call it one song because it is one song, but it's a number of songs put together. There's a lot. Lady Goodbye, The Whistler, He's Going to Do a Number on You, uh, Better, Sail Me Away, and I don't know if Posse in the Sky is included, but it, it sort of it sums up the whole thing. And uh, we play it quite often, and we'll probably play it the next hour. Uh, so maybe you can tell us. Uh, who was involved in this, writing this, and, and the message behind it, I, I can get, but you just explain it for the audience. Yeah, uh, I, the reason I laughed a minute ago is because uh, <laughs> you'd be surprised how many people don't really know what that's all about. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't know, maybe I, I misjudge things a little bit, but I think if you really listen to it, I don't think there's a problem. There's no mistake in it. No. Uh, but it is amazing how many, and and how many people get upset? Yeah. Because uh, they'll hear better on there. Yeah. Better is one of the, you know. Probably the hardest rock on, yeah. on the record. Very, very hard rock. Yeah. But um, what's interesting about that song is it's not done for hard rock's sake. It's uh, it's tongue in cheek almost. Yeah. And it's uh, almost humorous rock, and yet with a serious message. We're not a rock group, really. No. We're not a hard rock group. Yeah, that's very hard rock. I don't like I don't like hard rock music. No. Some I do. There's some every now and then, and then there'll be a tune. But in general, I don't like hard rock music. And but we did it on the and it was there was a purpose. There's nothing that was done on that side. Just just done for for you know music's sake. It was done to to paint a picture and express something. This side you can take songs out of it and isolate them, and it's like taking scripture and isolating it and and not understanding what it's all about. You know you can dig dig any scripture out and, and, and totally not understand what the scripture is saying unless you have the other scriptures around it. 
uh, and that's what this is, um, is this a story. What it really is is a musical picture of the book of Revelation. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't cover everything. It doesn't uh, include, you know, encompass all of Revelation, but it touches on some, some the major events in Revelation. Lady Goodbye uh, talking about what the Bible calls a catching up. In other words, a day when uh, Paul talked about in the twinkling of an eye, we would uh, be transformed. We would meet the Lord in the air, and so would we ever be with the Lord. And what it's talking about in this particular song is it's coming from a, a unique viewpoint. It's coming from someone who's been left behind after this catching up of the saints, or those who believe in Christ. And uh, this person is, is singing from his heart. He's had, obviously, I see it as it would be like his wife, who is a, a Christian, who has been, who's been uh, taken to the Lord. And he's crying out, and he's saying, you know, where'd you go? Where'd you fly? He's saying, talking about his loneliness. The whistler, God's judgment, talks about the, the moon being blood red and... Uh, the whistler is just uh, a mysterious figure, and uh, you know who is the whistler? Is he a prophet? Is he the devil himself, or whatever? That's something for the listener to figure out. But it really paints a picture of, of the earth during a time of great tribulation and evil, uh, God's judgment upon the earth. And if you, as you read Revelation, you, you hear about the the oceans turning to blood. There's so many judgments that God is pouring out. He's going to do a number on you. He talks about the financial system, which is going to be established. He talks about, in Revelation, uh, refers to the number that each man will, no man will be able to buy or sell unless he has a number of the beast. And their number being 666. And uh, it just really talks about not being able to go in a grocery store without having a number in order to purchase groceries or whatever. Better is almost a worship song of the Antichrist and uh, of the uh, embracing of this world system. Where someone says, hey, it's getting better, it's getting great. And yet you hear kind of a fear in it. You hear, you hear kind of, you know, and, and uh, it's, just, it's almost like this uh, fanatical embracing of, of this system that's established. Um, Sail Me Away is... Uh, Someone during this time of tribulation receives Christ as their Savior and uh, who recognizes that the devil is not in control. God's wrath is being poured out. Uh, uh, this whole system is corrupt and that Jesus is who he says he is and receives Christ in their heart. And it just talks about being sailed away in, in, in their spirit, in their, in their dedication to the Lord and, and receiving Christ as their personal Savior. Policy in the sky really is like the cherry on the cake and uh, just talks about Christ returning with his saints to establish a new heaven and a new earth. And it pictures that coming as sort of a, a posse, people riding on horses, and he that rides a leading steed is Christ himself, leading the saints back to the earth. So that's kind of something. Yeah. Okay, you have a third album coming out. When can we expect it? Well, it's hard to say. As I said before, um, we're negotiating right now a record deal the album is uh, except for the final mix and mastering and pressing and that's already done so it's been recorded it's been recorded and it's it's uh, 
entitled Horrendous Disc, and uh, which is a reference to God keeping a record of each person and kind of as a symbol of God's judgment. It's it's ready to go. It's almost ready to go. We're, we're going to get back and do some final touch-ups and things like that. But we hope sometime around October, if all goes according to plan. Only a couple months away. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. Well, thank you for talking to me, and uh, I'm sure anybody listening will be will have enjoyed this little talk and learned a lot more about Daniel Amos. But Daniel Amos is not one of the group, but it's everybody together. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Yeah. Is there any uh, final message you'd like to talk? Uh, maybe sort of uh, talk to whoever would be listening, wondering how to receive the Lord as their Savior, and how they could uh, seek out more about this. It's not just uh, music with a beat as we say it's music with a message is there a message you could just briefly give us well I think that the, the message that, that God has called Daniel Amos to proclaim over the past four years is is a simple one and I like I like to call it what the Bible calls it, and that's good news and I think uh, we've heard a lot of bad news I think we hear too much bad news and uh, I thought that Christianity at one time was bad news but it's good news if you if you understand, if you really open up your heart to hear what Jesus had to say. And and when you realize God's love. I think this scripture has been quoted so many times and you hear it as a Christian author. But maybe there's someone out there that's never heard it. Uh, that it isn't a Christian that's listening right now. It's John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When I heard that scripture that talked about love of God and that love demonstrated in His Son, His Son Jesus, Christ's death on the cross and His resurrection, um, it set me free because uh, I never heard of the love of God. And my message, what I would want to say to whoever's listening, is God loves you and He is real and He's personal and He can make you a new creature in Him if you'll, if you'll heed the words of Christ. He said, I stand at the door and I knock. If you open up that door, I'll come in and have fellowship with you and you with me. Thank you very much, Jerry. Praise the Lord.